Hi guys and welcome back to Midday Matcha with Livy. Clearly, I am fucking Livy. You guys, oh my god, do I have my first midday matcha guest? My mother, Dina Colonna. Dina, say hi to midday matcha. Oh, hello, midday matcha. That's it? That's it. You I'm guys. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Woo, we love to hear it. So, I have an amazing episode for you guys today, and my mom is gonna help contribute to that amazing episode. But first, I'm gonna do my intro, my week update. My mom doesn't know what I'm gonna be talking about. So this should be lovely. I'm just gonna get your opinions on my week update. Okay, Ma, one of my ex flingy flings deleted his Instagram and I feel like it was because he couldn't stand seeing me live my best life. Or he just didn't want to follow you on Instagram. No, it's, we, I had blocked him already, okay? So I blocked oh, him and then, nice. Ma, I blocked him and then I unblocked him and then like he's deleted his Instagram. He's and, trying to prove a point. But like I, I know it's super self-absorbed of me to think it's all about me. But like a little bit. It's true. It, you're, it isn't about you. Maybe he just got tired of you. Do you know what deleting an Instagram means? Like you just fully delete your right. Instagram. So he doesn't want to have an Instagram. So maybe he just wants some peace. Okay. And he didn't want to see what you were doing or what everyone else in the world is doing because it gets annoying. Okay. Wow. Anyways, my stalker is back. That's disturbing. Isn't it? Yes, and I don't know how to make that stop. We just don't. We just have to laugh about it. So, like, that serious look in your eyes, it's fine. He's been adding me on multiple Snapchat accounts with the same username. Isn't it pathetic? It's kind of weird. Kind of weird? Yeah, just a tad. Just a little. If you're concerned, though, we could always go file a restraining order of some sort. Yeah, but the restraining order is fuel to the fire. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe it's not who you think it is. <clears throat> Maybe it's somebody different. Same username, several different times. He's bored. Bored? He's bored. He has nothing else to do at this time. Because he's a he's what? Sh- loser. No, don't believe in losers. He's a loser. No, he just hasn't found his passion and he has no goals. Okay, me and Dina aren't the same. I'm a little bit more cutthroat where I'm like, <laughs> these fucking losers, and she's more like, everybody has their passion. You kind of sound like a hippie. No, but I think if people have goals and their own passion to fulfill their dreams, they don't have time to stalk people. You don't think I just have bomb-ass pussy? Next question. (laughs) Next question. What's the highlight of the week? Move on. So then, we hate to see it happen. I was mentioning to the podcast that I was talking to a boy. You know, I was talking to a boy. And what did I do this week? Sniff, sniff, sniff. Cut a motherfucker off. Which was your choice. Yeah. Do you want my, my honest opinion? Yeah. I don't know why it has to be all or nothing and why you can't just hang out with someone and have fun. Okay, because I'm just, I told, like, I just don't have the whore vibes in me. You know what I mean? And that's such a good thing for the whore vibes because I wish I could just hit it and quit it and leave. Okay. And I just can't. Okay. But I didn't mean the whore vibes. I meant, like, go out and have dinner one night and maybe not see him for two weeks and don't make a big deal out about it. If you don't see him or he's dating someone else. Because I'm an all or nothing type of bitch. I just said that. It doesn't have you to know? be all or nothing. But I am an all or nothing type okay, of bitch. Okay, time to move on. Okay. Cut you, him off. You can't, you can't dictate when the episode goes. Okay, guys. That was a little bit update of my week and a little intro to my mother. So, you guys, this 
week, I brought my mother on for a specific reason. That reason being, I have a huge story to tell you guys. And the reason she's here is because she was with me this entire time of my life. I'm going to be talking about my freshman year of high school, eighth grade freshman year of high school, and everything I went through. So a huge disclaimer right now, I'm going to be talking about suicide, self-harm, stuff like that. I'm going to keep it lighthearted and as funny as I can, but I brought my mom on because she's going to keep it raw and real and help me really talk to you guys about this from her point of view because she was the one that was with me the whole time. Another disclaimer, you already heard me call my mom a whore in last week's episode, okay? My mom is like my best friend. So the way I talk to her is how you would talk to a best friend. So if you think I'm being rude or disrespectful to my mom, it's just she's truly my best friend and that's how I talk to her. Dina, anything you'd like to say before we get into this week's episode? I felt it was important that Libby share her story with everyone because she just didn't wake up this bad bitch, as she would like to call herself. I'm a bad bitch. There's a lot, there's a lot more substance to her, and she wouldn't be where she is today if she didn't experience what she did as a little girl and from the time she was 13 till she got back into high school. Yes. So... The main point of this story is I had severe, severe anxiety and depression, and I will bring out the happy, funny parts of this too, because there were a lot of happy, funny parts that we can look back. <laughs> Not many, but like now that we can look back, I think like I like to cope through comedy and like humor, and that's what got me through this. So let's start with eighth grade. That's when my panic attack started. I remember being in my eighth grade math class and I thought I was going to die. I thought it was science for some reason. No, it was math because I remember that cunt ass teacher was such a bitch because I thought I was dying and I would always have to go to the nurse's office because I didn't know it was a panic attack. I remember now. And they called me and said, you know, Liv's not feeling well. Why don't you come get her? And I didn't, I knew Libby had anxiety as a little girl on a different spectrum. I didn't realize that it resurfaced at this point so severe. So I kept going to get her. I, I just know. I just kept going to get her from school because that's what you did when your kid didn't feel well. We came back from spring break, and that's when this all started. And uh, I went and picked her up from school, and one day I couldn't get her back. Like, she wouldn't go back. So we didn't finish eighth grade. Yeah. So we didn't finish eighth grade. That we- comes back to the full around because every day I'd go to the nurses, and oh. I was getting so good at this. Do you even know this? I would go into the bathroom, put my head under the dryer, and they'd have to send me home because I'd have a fever. Yes, I do. And then sometimes... Yes, I do. I remember it well. I would go up to the nurse, and I would be like, I just threw up. And she would be like, no, you... But she would have to send me home anyways. But my anxiety was so bad that I just didn't want to stay at school. And it kept manifesting itself to be bigger and bigger because I was so scared of having a panic attack. So when my mom says I didn't go back to eighth grade... I didn't. I went into an outpatient program. So basically, and eighth grade was big because there was a dance. I did go to that. She went to the dance. We got to graduation, or we didn't even get to graduation. Which by the third kid, you were kind of done with that graduation anyway. So I didn't care if she graduated. No, I'm kidding. But truthfully, it's boring. Yeah. Uh, So she never made it to eighth grade graduation, and then we had the summer to work on the school anxiety because that's what they were diagnosing her with school anxiety yeah so basically the rest of my eighth grade year i just was in outpatient i didn't really go back to school like my Mm. mom said i went to graduation practice i never went to graduation which was huge that was considered a milestone because she couldn't get back in the school but we got her in for the graduation practice so my summer was ending and i was still in 
eighth grade going into my freshman year. And like I had been in therapy and stuff. All right? summer. Yeah. Yes. I had a bunch of therapists that I would go to because I never really liked any of them. But then my freshman year started and this is where things started off good but took a turn for the worst. So you did three days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> three days of school. She did not even, I think two and a half or one and a half and then asked to come home because she said she had cramps. And I thought she did because I thought after doing this program all summer that she would have been okay to go back to school, pull her out because she didn't feel well. And I think I got you in the car and I just said, is it cramps or is it your anxiety? And you go, it's my anxiety. Yeah. So I never went back to that campus. My high school had two campuses. But we did go back and forth to cheer because this wonderful woman who was in charge of cheer had you on the cheer team. And when you don't go to school, you're not supposed to be able to do your sport. But can I say her name? Babs. Babs uh, would call me and go, Mrs. Severin, please bring her. We will wait for her. And I couldn't get her out of the car. Yeah. To even go cheer. So I couldn't even go to cheer. And if you guys, you don't know, but cheer was like my big thing when I was in eighth grade and freshman year. Like that was like my life's purpose. I swear to God, it was like really big to me. And like that was the only thing that was getting me through the days. And it helped with my anxiety and stuff. But then it came down to, I also did, I tried out for high school cheer, made it. But then after that day of freshman year, I never went back. So I also never went back to cheer. You want to know my outlook on that day? That like I never... You were happy? Went back. No. <laughs> I was thrilled. No, I remember being in that math class and I remember the feeling coming. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, this is another panic attack. I like can't even do this anymore. And then I went to second period and I like talked to my teacher and I was like, I'm having terrible cramps. Because like a male teacher, me telling him I have cramps, he's not going to be like, nobody sent me there. And then I never went back. But then I tried to go back to cheer like my mom said. And this was the start of the roller coaster. Let's just start with freshman year because we're going to get into all of it. So the school doesn't let your kids stay home and they pretty much blame the parent for not making the child go to school. Yeah. So I thought it would be better if we pulled her out of school and homeschooled her just to get a handle on what we were dealing with. In the meantime, we're st I think we went into inpatient. We went into outpatient and then inpatient. inpatient. So I went back to outpatient, back with the fucking crazies. You put me back with the lunatics. Um, but um, I fucked with them. Like, don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with the lunatics. I really liked them. And, and they weren't really lunatics. Everyone had their own issue. They wanted to set the school on fire. Mine was just I had anxiety. Wait, is this the outpatient treatment or inpatient? Outpatient. Okay. Inpatient was so fun. Outpatient was where it was, like, weird for me. Because you had all different kinds of kids. We had an amazing counselor. Her, Your counselor helped us. He, I know. But he, he helped us navigate and told me what I needed to do. And at this point, Libby was on a 501, and he said she needed an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. He goes, you need to start it now because it's going to take a whole semester to get it implemented. Yeah. Our contact people at the school were of – our counselor was awesome. Our contact people were horrible, and one of them was the assistant principal of the school. So then – my freshman year, I would say like the first couple months for me was just every day you trying to get me to go back to school. And then so Very every true. day, even though I was like technically homeschooled, every single person was trying to get me back into the school. And that's where it was so difficult for me because it was like every day I was failing. Every night I was going to bed thinking maybe tomorrow will be the day I get to go back. And then Same. I, the anxiety just completely took over. And that morning I just woke up and I remember a lot of fighting with me and you, like just Constant yeah, I didn't handle it well. No, no, you handled it perfectly. Um, but I, I, you're not supposed to 
argue with someone who's in an anxiety mode because all you do is raise their anxiety. But you're so frustrated as a parent that you can't get your kid to go to school. And then they're looking at me like, I wanted you to stay home with me. <laughs> as much fun as we had, I'm not an idiot. Like, you yeah. have to get an education. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it spiraled because when you have anxiety and you can't do the things that you want to do, it turns into depression. And that's exactly where it led me. So it led me to the point of depression and I ended up pulling out of cheer I ended up pulling out of everything and completely just isolated myself into my bedroom that was the only thing that I was doing really was I was only in the bedroom it was me and you like that's all I had was you and your dog and my dog rest in peace to a fucking real one anyways I had Brady and then my best friend would see me as much as she could but I think Nobody really knew what was happening at that time. Lara did. Your sister did. My sister, Lara, knew what was happening, but even she was confused because she came home with lice and was like, why is Livy here? It's been three days. Why is she not coming back to school? And it was something we tried to keep hidden for a little bit. Yes. Because you weren't comfortable with people not knowing that you didn't go to school. That is true. I did tell all my friends that just tell people at school I had cancer. Because listen, it was... Oh my God. It was a lot easier for me to say that instead of like, I actually don't know why I can't go to school because there's just so much anxiety. And at 13, 14 years old, nobody knows what anxiety is. And what it can, it's debilitating and what it can do to you. So it came to the point where I just completely had isolated myself and I had fallen into such a deep depression. So the only thing I was doing every day was getting up and going to outpatient and you would drive me to outpatient. And I would drop off a grandmother, one of your grandmothers would pick you up. Mm -hmm. We had numerous like your grandmothers would take turns I would drop you off I'd go to work and then someone would have to be home when you got home because she couldn't be you couldn't be left alone I couldn't be left alone do you want to elaborate that on a little bit like we were I was afraid that if she was left alone that I'd come home and she wouldn't be alive yeah because the depression got out of control so the depression started getting really bad and this is where we lead into my first impatient so Yes, because she was a harm to herself. And I don't, and I'm not judging anyone. I don't believe in medication. I think you need to, there's, I think, and we'll get into it later, there's steps you take before you medicate. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to medicate her. And even your counselor agreed. He goes, medicate. He told me the school's going to want you to medicate her to get her into school. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the answer. So she went into inpatient. There was psychological testing done. I remember that. I went into inpatient because they... That was a shit show. That was a shit show. But that was because they had seen me self-harming. So they were like, okay. Anytime you self-harm or even say it. So my first day in inpatient was not the... Like, it was just like inpatient. So they come, they wake you up every morning, take your vitals, take your blood, and then you have groups all day, every day. And I was just in different groups. Did any of them help? No, not really. Because it kind of just like made you feel even worse about yourself in a way. Like you're filling out worksheets about like your anxiety. And I couldn't even understand why I was having this anxiety, but it felt good to know that there was other kids. That experienced the same thing. Yeah, because I did feel so alone. I mean, I was... A freshman in high school watching all my friends go to like homecoming and dances and like I didn't get to do any of that because of this crippling anxiety then I inpatient how did you feel with me being an inpatient that was a hard one to figure out because I'd never done that before you want your child safe you want them well I didn't like the way the program was structured why 
Well, one of the most important thing with mental health is your gut and what you eat. And they fed you kids crap. And there was nowhere, there was no fitness. Yeah. And you know that that's part of good mental health is your food but is But we'll your... get into that later. Okay. I didn't like the way the program was structured. And I can't remember. I think you had to be in there a minimum of a week. Yeah. I was that one. It's just the way week. the program works. Like, we'll get into that later. But she had to be there a week. So you, and you get specific visiting hours. I don't know. That, that was... Um, I, I, that particular place, I didn't care for their program. We did more than one. Yeah, but we'll get so, into um, <laughs> There's You many. know, I just, you just want your child to live. Like, you're worried. You want your child to live. And I had a close friend at the time, and she said, it's like throwing shit against the wall, and whatever sticks is what you're going to do to make it work so your child gets well. Yeah. And then after that outpatient... Um, We're still not back in school. It's still first semester. The school is up your ass. Well, once we filed that we're going to homeschool, they kind of backed off. See, you know what's crazy about this? A lot of this I don't really remember. I think I've detached myself, but my mom was clearly... And then they wanted her back in second semester so that they could help put together an IEP for her. And that's where things... That's where it got really bad because that's where you ended up in inpatient the second time. The assistant principal and a lovely young woman who I will not mention her name because to this day I could kill her, oh. were put so much pressure on to get you back into school that I had to pick, you had to do part of your day at outpatient and then you pick up your child from outpatient and you take them right to school and you transition them in. And we're driving down the street and I go, you're ready for school and you're praying. It's like a constant pit in your stomach. You're on this fucking <laughs> roller coaster you don't want to be on. And we're getting close to the school and she opens up the car door to jump out the car. Yeah, it wasn't like a suicide thing. Oh, my God. Thing. But no, that was, was so like, she was saying she's not going to go. We get in front of the school. She won't get out. I have to call the therapist. The therapist goes, at self-harm. Bring her back. My husband at the time goes, don't you dare. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you got the school going. It's the mom. The mom is the problem. And I'm like, oh, no, my God. So at that point for me in my head, because like that's everyone else is like, what the fuck? She's literally mentally ill. And like, I didn't jump out the car to die. I jumped out the car because I was like, stop bringing me to the fucking school. Like, I'm not going to go, go in. back in. And it's that, that constant fear of knowing after outpatient, I'm going to have to try and go to school again. It was so much fear and anxiety that it just boiled up to a point with the pressure on me of like everybody from the school, I remember my counselor looked at me and he was like, in this rate, you're not even gonna graduate. And like, I know. it just was so much pressure and I kept that one close to the heart and the soul. I was like, wow. That's- when he said that? Yeah. But I can't lie, it fueled a little, it yes. fueled my fuel And wait, I'm fire. thinking back now, that was fall. So. Yeah, so that whole rest of fall semester was just, back and forth of me at a different outpatient program and them trying to put me back into school. And that is what led to my suicide attempt. The pressure of trying to get me back into school, not having a life whatsoever. Like when I tell you guys I didn't have a life, I think there was a good two months where I was just in bed all day, every day, not leaving my bed. I think at one point it became so cryptic Well, I would take you to work with me and you'd sit in the car. Yeah, so also to explain that a little bit because I couldn't leave her alone because I was afraid she wouldn't be alive when I got home, I would go to clients or to go teach classes and she'd sit in the car. Yeah. And I would be looking out the window to make sure she didn't run out in the street or... See, they make me sound so cryptic. But at the time, I guess I was. It was. It was horrible. Yeah. I was very depressed. I was very anxious. I had no will to live. Like, when I tell you I had no will to live, there was nothing keeping me alive. You were probably one of the only... Like, I loved you more than anything... But, and being with you all day, every day helped, 
but not being able to understand what's going on in your own head and the anxiety increasing and seeing all the things that I was missing out on and I was losing was so painful for me. And I just came to the point where I did not want to live. I was done. But look where you are now. I know. Okay, so that suicide attempt was just a swig of the pill bottle. And okay, that was fucked up. That's how it happened. I know. Took all those pills and I woke up in an emergency room. So obviously- no, your, your mom took you to the emergency room. I don't room. remember any of that. I had shattered my wrist and you had come to me and said I took a bunch of I can't even remember. because I know what it was. It was my clonopin. Clonopin. And I took her right to the ER. I had literally just gotten out of that hospital the day before because I had my wrist shattered and I had to have surgery. And then I took her back. It was a Sunday. And they put her back inpatient. Yeah. So I woke up in the hospital room like, what the fuck? Because when you obviously when you try and kill yourself, like I wanted to be dead. There was nothing. There was no other option to it. But I knew... I mean, obviously, I'm here talking to you guys right now. They're like, I survived it, but yes. And then I was put into that inpatient. And when I tell you that was the most fun I had that freshman year, <laughs> that was a blast. You know what? I honestly have to say that it helped. Yeah, it, it was actually a lot helped. Of fun. It was a different. The program was structured differently, and it, it it actually helped. And they recommended, and they recommended a school refusal program that was very very popular at the time and that's where we went because you can't just not go back to school you have to be in a program wait let's get into remember family therapy as well as you told them i was vegetarian and i was getting all these disgusting meals you told them i was gluten-free dairy-free yes because i knew that the diet was a huge issue with why your brain your gut is your second brain and i knew it but i'm watching all my friends and inpatient eat chicken tenders and fries and i'm eating a vegetable medley in the corner pissed knowing my mom did this to me and i was like and she had a ton of supplements yeah oh like Everyone's popping pills and I'm taking vitamins. But I was, I did have clonopin just to like get me through the days. No, the clonopin came later with the one therapist you really liked. Because we went through about 10 therapists or I so. I thought it was like 17. It felt like a lot. It was a lot. She didn't like any of them. I didn't like any of my therapists. Because they were all telling me the same things. I remember the one guy I fucking hated. But, and then in inpatient, let's stay on inpatient, I went into, we went into family therapy. Do you remember, oh, remember that? That, yes. that was a brutal one. Because... I mean, we won't get into my dad, but my dad is not in the picture, and like he barely was in the picture, and we had to do family therapy with him. And do you remember how awkward? What was the game that we had to play? Do we have to say something positive about? Yeah, <laughs> each other or right. something, and it was super brutal and rough to just sit in that room. But like, I remember me, Kaylee, and Sissy were laughing. No, only one, two of your sister, one of your sisters came. Only Kaylee. Me and Kaylee were laughing yeah. the whole time. Because it would come to Kaylee's turn to try and say something nice, and like she just couldn't do it. No. Okay, I didn't find family therapy as funny as you did. And when it's your kid going through this, you'd rather be going through it yourself than well, your kid I going went through, through it. it right. and I can tell but you. You just would rather it be happening to you because you don't want to see your kids struggle. So, yeah. We, after that, we went to an outpatient school refusal that lasted four days. Cause she I don't remember that. It was freezing out. Remember, we had to go in that. It was like the was su- that the one all the way? Wait, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that lasted about three or four days, and you wouldn't go back on a Monday. Constant stomach ache. Oh, because they were so fucking rude. 
They were horrible. They They were horrible. They would, like, make you sit in a cell block. Like, that was was terrible. It was bad. So, that was after I got out of the hospital. And so, I... Because you had to transition into a program. Mm -hmm. That program didn't work, and you can't not have your kid in school. So, at this point, I've got to find somewhere else for her to go. Let's talk about the crazy things you made me do. Because at this point, Mm -hmm. I'm a lost cause. I'm, like, a medical dream of trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. Talk about the hypnotist. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on your beliefs, and I believe that we've had many lives, and you bring a lot of what's going on with you in this life from a past life. So I thought maybe we could go into hypnosis to see if something from one of our past lives was causing the anxiety in this life. That was. I know it sounds crazy, but it's worked in the past. <laughs> we didn't last but a couple sessions no, because. But do you want to know the one thing? Is that she goes you're gonna because you she puts me in a deep hypnotic state and she the worst part is she knows when i'm not in that deep hypnotic state so i would be like acting like i wasn't in that deep hypnotic state and she'd be like i can still see you're awake and i'd be like fuck this bitch and then we did the dream thing and she goes okay she like completely hypnotized me to the fact that she's like you're going to have a dream and it is going to tell you why you're having all this anxiety so she did this and she was like you won't be able to go back to sleep until you write down what the dream is what was it do you want to know what the fuck I dreamt about? What? And what I wrote down in my notes and I woke up to the next morning? What? Princess in training. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I woke up to. Oh, that makes sense. So I woke up to princess in training. And like, she would also like, I didn't like the hypnosis because she would like put me in deep therapy and like ask me questions like, do you ever fantasize about women? And it was like, I was like okay. 15. 14. You were, yeah. you were, she gave us the, the psychologist. Oh, did she? She gave us the psychologist who gave us an... Um, a psychiatrist who were both awesome, but in the meantime, the school's up your ass. School's Apparently, they were ass. coming to the house and I didn't hear them, and they thought I was trying to block them from coming into the house because they were trying, like, right? They're telling me to school, and and then some of these programs would want extreme measures: take all the sheets off her bed, don't give her a blanket, take the take the door off the wall, and you got to do tough love. And I'm like, okay, but like some, maybe it works for some kids. It didn't work for you. The psychologist nailed it, mm-hmm. and she said. You know, I had asked, I go, why can Libby go to a theater, but she can't go to school? She goes, because your daughter feels trapped. And when your daughter feels trapped, riding the L. Cars. I couldn't anything, even go in cars. And cars. She couldn't get on a train. Uh, your daughter feels trapped. And she said it wouldn't be the end of the world if she took a little bit of clonopin to get into a classroom. Because I was anti-meds. We tried it briefly after one outpatient, one inpatient program, and that didn't go well. So when we did this, she, you actually liked this therapist Probably 12 at that point. 12, yeah. 12 therapists. We did another, because if you're not in school, you have to do a program. So we would do an outpatient program, and that was the one in the city. And I loved it because it was in the city. It was, and there were so many fun, I don't want to, a lot of kids struggling with different issues, but it was it was a great learning experience. I think it was a great learning experience. That one was quick for me, and I briefly remember that one, but do you remember like, I remember the guy would always tell me, he was like, you give all this great advice, but like you have to take that advice too. Because I was giving all these kids great advice on how to get back to school. (laughs) And it was for all different issues. Um, I I learned a lot about gender and anxiety and headaches. Uh, But I want to focus on how hard it was for you when people are telling you to do all these things, but you had to stick to your gut and know like, hey, if I rip the blankets off her, this one's going to jump off a bridge. Yeah, I think nobody knows your kid better than you do. And at this point, I was sick of the school. I I was sick of the school. And it wasn't, it was, I think that last, 
we we wanted her to go to a therapeutic day school and our high school didn't want to pay for her to go to the therapeutic day school so a good friend suggested i get an education consultant during that time the two women that were up my ass because they were at lt um our initial caseworker came off a maternity leave and was horrified at what we were experiencing and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. And she started directing us and telling us what we need to do. At this point, we had the IEP. I Should we talk about the schools they made me tour? So, so they thought, oh, this was the best. <laughs> and Wait, let me explain it. So they, obviously, I wasn't in school. The programs weren't working. So many therapy. And they were like, let's try therapeutic day schools. And my mom basically described it to me as like, it's going to be super soft and gentle and nurturing and fun. What the fuck was the first one that we went to? What, remember that one? That was so intense. Oh, is that the one not where we went to the wrong place? Where the, Oh, it was very sterile. And you took a bus in. You couldn't leave. You had to be monitored. It was far. And I remember telling our yeah. contact person, I go, I can't get her in the car to go to freaking LT. You want me to put her on a bus by herself all the way up to like Arlington Heights? Yeah. <laughs> I go, this is not going to work. But we had a, our education consultant said we had to pacify the school by touring these other schools. Yeah. And then the school gave us another one. Do you remember that? Yes, and we went to that school. How terrible was that? The little corner room? I'll never No, no, no. That. We went to the wrong school first, and we had to go visit the one around the corner. So we get the name of a school. I'm assuming it's this school right by our house. Mm-hmm. We get there, and they have no record that we're coming. And mm-hmm. I go, oh, no, no, no. LT said that we're going to be coming. Olivia's going to tour the school. She goes, I had a cancellation, and I'd be happy to show you around. And we're looking at the nature center and the garden. Oh, is that how we found that? Place? Yes. And I said, she goes, I go, thank you for doing this. She goes, yeah, I'm sorry, but this isn't where they wanted you to come. I think they want you to go around the corner. And so I had loved that school. This was a storefront. And when you walk in, and the woman was lovely. She was doing her job, and she goes, she points to like a four by four space and she goes, when the kids aren't behaving, this is where we put them. <laughs> it was like a box, like and actually a box. I, it, was, it was not a therapeutic day school. It was for kids that couldn't- Were harmed to others. Harmed to, pretty much. And they were, it was, it was a storefront with a couple different rooms. And I remember going, I go, I, I look at her, I go, we're not coming here. She goes, well, this is where they want you coming. Oh, well, we're not coming here. And I was like, there's I go, no- there's, I go, there's no, I looked at her, I go, I might even have swore. I think yeah. you're out of your, I go, thank you. You're out of your fucking mind. My daughter's not coming here. I have to go back to talk to the school and tell them I want to go to the one that I accidentally went to. That's when I got the education consultant and she's, our contact at LT goes, it won't be necessary. My boss said, don't spend any more money. We'll let her go to the one right down the block. Yeah. So that is where I started at that day school. Was that sophomore or junior year? That was my sophomore year. So freshman year, this was like huge for me because everybody was kind of banking on me to get back to like this school. And I think everyone thought I would graduate from this school and that'd be fine. You know what I'm saying? And it was like a small school, probably how many kids? Oh God, 50? 50. Like Maybe no, lot. And that's like K through eight. Like that's right. K through high school. And it, it, she wouldn't be where she is today if it wasn't for that experience. Yes. But the one thing I will say about that school was it motivated me to get the fuck out. Yeah. Within a couple of weeks, she goes, I don't belong here. These kids are different than I might go. No, they're the same, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. I go, but we can't, you've got to, it's a process. Like you have to meet with your caseworker and then you transition into your half their day school, half somewhere else. Yeah. So basically at this point my anxiety was a little bit better because i was going to the day school my depression was better because i was going to the day school and you were making friends and you're still talking to your old friends 
and we weren't doing any more outpatient programs. Mm -hmm. And then I got into cheer again, right? Yes, and in the meantime, we did meet Dr. Tam. Okay, so at this point in my life, it was my sophomore year, I was at a therapeutic day school, less than like 50 kids in the entire like K through eight, like my classes had six kids in them. I didn't love it there. I really didn't. But she had the option to go outside, and that's why you didn't feel trapped. That's why I liked it, because my whole thing was feeling trapped in the school, and that's what brought on the anxiety. And then I did start cheering at Ice All-Stars in Aurora. Like, you threw me right into competitive cheer. Well, exercise is important. She loved it, and I knew that it would motivate her and meet more friends. It was a savings grace. It really was. So it really was. I would say cheer was a huge part as to why I got better. And then... It came down to the point where I met with, it was, I think we met with all the caseworkers and it was like, okay, do you want to go back to LT? Yeah. And I looked at them and I said, yeah, let's do it. And I feel like everyone was like, what? And it was a slow transition and it went over two, it's one, two semesters, end of first semester, second semester, you started spending more time at LT. I even think they let you cheer. Bobette let you come on the team and you were doing competitive cheer. You were doing high school cheer. And then the goal was we had to get her back on track to graduate on time. So, so you got credits at the therapeutic day school, and she had to go to summer school. And I remember getting in a confrontation with one of the principals at your, your regular school because they couldn't offer a class. And I go, you know, no, no, it's going to happen. Like, she's going to take this class over the summer. And we thought if she could take summer school, do you think you took two classes, mm-hmm. that it would be an easier transition in the fall to go back in junior year? So I did end up... I would say before summer school, I went and I did one period a day. I went to yeah. ceramics. And imagine how fucking confused all my, everybody who's ever known me, like a bunch of kids have already known me. And we're still at the same campus because our campus is split. Yeah. So all those same kids are still at that campus. And like, they think I have cancer. No, but like, they're just confused. So I can't believe you told people that. Yeah, I was embarrassed. They're so confused as to like, I just kind of MIA, like I went ghost completely. And then I come back in the middle of a semester just to do ceramics. And I did, and it was great, and I loved it, and that's what transitioned me into summer school, which I also don't remember, but. You had to go to summer school. We thought it would be a good transition so that you didn't just get thrown into junior year of high school. Because that that school I was going to had like 2,000 kids at it. You had 2,000 kids at one campus. Yeah, at one campus. And then her, when she was going to transition into junior year, she would transition to the other school, which, which is another 2,000 kids. But we, our caseworker hooked Libby up with some amazing women that if it wasn't for them, she would not have gone back to school. I'm sorry. Yeah. I really they, they made it so that she was comfortable. They met with her before school started, and everything started to fall into place with yeah. your competitive cheer, your high school cheer your classes so then i got back into school so yeah okay at this point we're in the summer i'm just finishing up summer school let's get into dr tam i was training a client i was expressing to her that what my daughter was going through and she said you need to go see dr tam he runs tests that will tell you what she might be allergic to that might be triggering some anxiety he did a hair analysis a saliva analysis he's a chiropractor he used to make me hold my mom's hand you would sit on a table i'm not even gonna explain right it, I, I would actually have to look it up to explain it but she would hold a little metal rod and we'd do a current through her to see what she would react to mm-hmm. long story short her thyroid was overactive she was put on a supplement she had she needed adrenal support and she was diagnosed with candida 
Yeah, and candida is, is just overgrowth of bacteria in my gut. Right, from so nutrition and... My mom's a personal trainer, so everything was all nutrition to her. It changed and, your Yeah, life. that was really great. So uh, before we get back into that, I fully went back to school. Well, let's go okay, so Well, let's say she didn't really fully go back to school because every day was fun. Every day so, was fun. <laughs> starting my junior year, I knew I wanted to be back at LT, my main high school, full time. I knew that's what I wanted. I tried out for cheer again. I made it. Surprise, because no. Um, my cheer coaches were a huge reason that I think I was so successful in school as well. And then it kind of just Amazing. felt like I, so I started my junior year. Everyone's like holding, biting their nails, seeing if I'll make it. I felt it the night before she left that you were going to be fine. Yeah. I knew it. I, 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 I call it divine intervention, but it was like God came down and just took all of that stress off my shoulders. And I knew she would be fine. She went to school the next day and never stopped going. Never stopped We did going. have some incidents senior year. What? You and Maisie would call me every single day and ask me to call you out a last period. But that wasn't anxiety no. we were born. So I did make it back into school. I was, and what really motivated me to get back into school, fueled that fire, was when my counselor, when he looked at me at my freshman year and was like, you'll never graduate on time. And I basically told him to suck my fat dick. No, and I... I looked at him and I was like, we'll see about that. And, and you did. got back into school and graduated. I did end up graduating on time, but I want to get back into the part of where I'm so hopeless and depressed. And for me, what got me out of that? Because it came to the point, obviously, if I'm going to try and kill myself, I wanted to die. And like, I just didn't want to live anymore. And it was so terrible for me. But I found so much joy in little things. And it's kind of funny how all these purposes come all full circle. So... My, I started watching like SNL clips, hmm. Saturday Night Live. Fell in love with them. I know what complete. it is. Okay, <laughs> not you. It was the people. Okay. <laughs> I was watching SNL clips. Fell in love with Saturday Night Live. Jennifer Lawrence, an amazing actress. That was my little bit of hope that I had that I wanted to like hold on to to get me through all these terrible times. So it was like couple months after the suicide attempt when I found these videos and I underlyingly like had a, an extreme passion for comedy and acting and I don't think I even really knew it at the time but that was kept me going as well as like you obviously my mom like I was with her all day every day and it was just like I want to I want to prove to her that it's going to be okay like I'll be okay and as well as I did get more into my faith so like I you said your faith had a lot to do yeah, with it yeah I started you have to have faith in something like that's my biggest thing it doesn't matter if it's Buddha whatever the fuck God or anything I had to have faith that somebody was going to help me out of this or I would have just kept trying to kill myself and I would have just kept because it, it hit me when it was like I tried to die and I didn't die there's a reason I'm still here what is this reason and so when I connected more with like my faith and believing in something I was like this will get me through this and I will be okay. And it just felt good knowing like, I don't have to feel all this anxiety and feel alone. Like, cause I felt completely alone, but it was like, I actually had like faith. Like I had God up there. I had somebody, somebody that I was just like, fuck, like I needed just somebody. So just having, like getting a little bit more into my faith really helped as well as cheer was huge. Actually, I think would have helped a ton. Cheer was huge. Um, you started doing the camps at Second City junior year. My first semester of my junior year, just fresh back at school, I was put into an improv class randomly. Like I was just randomly put into that improv oh, class. Oh, that's right. And 
after that improv class, I had an amazing teacher, and I never missed a day of school junior year. Because of Mr. Keel, because I loved his class so much. And I loved it so much that I looked at my mom and I was like, I want to do more comedy. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like a year ago, I'm trying to kill myself. And now I'm like, you're driving. I'm a cheerleader, which was a pain in the ass. And now I'm going to do comedy. Yeah. And so the comedy was in my middle. Tried out for improv junior year and made it. I did. I made the team at yes for the show at lt and then i did a bunch of second city best programs ever second city and it's second just, city and mr um mr keel mr keel those shows were amazing yeah and that's i was i feel like that's obviously like my purpose of life was like comedy absolutely and, and, it, and just having a passion for something other than not being happy with yourself yeah so what so yeah guys that's like a really deep story that nobody really knows about like i feel like i kept that one under wraps for a while not because i was embarrassed just because it was like how do you come on and talk about something like that and i felt it was important she tell you because she wouldn't be where she is today if she didn't have those experiences she left out the fact that she wouldn't get on a train she wouldn't get in a car first year at columbia she would get on the l and call me and go i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it i go well I'm nowhere near there. I can't come get you. There were so many obstacles that she overcame that when you're living it, you don't, you have hope and you never give up hope, but you wonder if she'll ever have like a normal life. Like looking at her today, we didn't forget what happened, but this is mind blowing, like how great she's doing and her comedy and the podcast. Because for a couple years there, it was touch and go. You didn't know. You prayed a lot. But you just didn't know if your kid was going to live. Yeah. That's so deep. It was deep. You know, that's why now I look at her and she lives in the city. She didn't, she wouldn't even take a train to the city. She used to have assignments where she'd have to take a train from one town to the next. Do you remember doing that? And I'd have to pick her up because she couldn't sit on the train. And now she... Takes the L all over. She walks all over. I, I live in the city. By herself, which I never, th- I thought she was going to be attached to my hip for life. Oh my God. And look I at did. it. Look at that. I, I said, get me the fuck out of here. No. Yeah, now she won't come back to the suburbs. I know. You can't. There's nothing you can do to make me go back to the suburbs. And then, okay. So now I have some questions for you. Oh God. That's just, mom, what the fuck? Because I, I never know where these are going. Go ahead. Okay. So when did you realize that I was going to be okay? Like, when did you know? That junior year first day, that night before we went to bed, I was sleeping in the sitting room at the time, and I remember going to bed going, because I cannot tell you, I can't even, I can't even, I couldn't even give you a number of how many nights I went to bed with a stomach ache, because the pressure to get you in school was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that I always had a stomach ache because I felt like a failure because I couldn't get you into school. So that night that I went to bed, I remember going, oh my God, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. Yeah. And literally the next day you went to school and it never stopped. And I will say it's crazy because my junior year is, that's when my sexual assault happened. That's when I got in a really toxic relationship and that's when we left the house. So, was it junior year? Yeah, it was my junior April year. April of junior year. So even though like I had just overcame, because like in my mind I was like, well, I just overcame like anxiety depression like not wanting to live like that was it god was not going to put me through anything worse and boy did i have a fucking storm coming for me because i got into an extremely abusive relationship but first i was sexually assaulted and then there's a whole other story of how my mom and my sisters and i had to leave 
my old house in one day to get away from an abusive father. So like, there's a lot that came with it. And it was like, even though, but everything that I looked back on, I was like, if I can get through that. Get through anything. I can get through anything. Your life experiences make you stronger. Yeah. So, okay, next question. What is the most bad bitch thing I've done in general? Like what makes it, you're like, oh, she's a bad bitch. Um, The show you put on in Second City. Okay. That's... Come on, that was you wrote, directed, produced, and starred in this amazing show. Thank you. I mean, there's a lot, but I have to say, like, knowing where you came from and the fact that you'd get up on this stage and you wrote, directed, produced an excellent show. Mm-hmm. It was an excellent show. I have to say, I you sit there and you're like shaking your head, going, I can't believe it. This was a kid who was an impatient, and now she's on the stage. Yeah. That's one. I'm trying to think of, oh, God. I don't want, the cheer stuff was fun, but anybody could be a competitive cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) What's Um, another, like, bad bitch thing that I did? Hmm. I don't know. You're somewhat of a handful. I know. I'm always. I'm I'm impressed with the podcast. Okay. What about the divorce papers? Okay. <laughs> Do you want to explain that story? I was having a hard time serving my ex-husband divorce papers. He just was avoiding the situation. <laughs> and at one point, Livy was had, had had enough. Oh, yeah. She you had don't... had enough, and she goes, this is fucking ridiculous. I'll do it. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, I'll do it. Tell them I'll do it. I need the server there with me, and she served. The so what I did was I texted my dad, and I hadn't talked to him like for a, a while. Yeah, because yeah. he... You did have lunch with him one day, and he pretty much told you it would amount to nothing. So there was no reason to see him again. Crazy how life comes to be. But I met, I texted him, and I said, "Let's meet for dinner." And it was so much lunch, 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 that pizza in the cell, South Loop. So much anxiety beforehand. I had to meet with the server who was supposed to protect me if anything bad went down, and he's a fucking idiot for meeting me. But he didn't know. He thought. a little bit of a background. He's very narcissistic, so he couldn't imagine why she wouldn't want to have lunch with him. Yeah. And so then he's probably she's finally coming around. She we, knows I'm right. <laughs> we got there, he sat down within two minutes. I didn't say a word to him because I was She like, was a nervous wreck. I was going in to teach a class somewhere and she goes, I don't know if I can do this. I have to go to the bathroom. And I go, just go. I gotta go in and teach a class. <laughs> she had the hard part. I know. I had like the worst part and he comes in and I was like shaking with fear and he came in. And I didn't say a word. I just looked there. The server came up and was like, you have been served. I ran. I, <laughs> I ran. And I first thing that I did. That was freshman year of college. I called you. And you we, go, it's done. That was her freshman year of college, her sister sophomore year of college. It took until senior, going into senior year of college for him to actually divorce me. Yeah. Because he wouldn't sign papers. He wouldn't, he wouldn't but even. But we got him served. Got him served. Livy did it. Without Livy, we wouldn't be where we are today in many, many respects. Okay. Next question. What is your advice for moms that are like going through having a kid with anxiety, depression, suicide, any of those? Well, like suicidal thoughts, not just suicide. There are signs when they're little and don't ignore them. There are signs when they're little. It's not just something that came out at 13. Libby had signs when she was little. You know, I used to, or I would get angry when she wouldn't do the things I wanted her to do, but it was her anxiety that was making her not do them. Be patient. I, I'm still a firm believer that your nutrition is your soil. You need to exercise. Exercise is the best thing for mental health. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I agree with that. And you know, the, here's the thing is, when Libby was going through it, there was no social media. Like, yeah. there, so it's a whole different animal today. Be friends with your kid. That was my biggest be, thing. Be friends with your, I mean, I, I love my daughters. I'm very, very blessed. We have a great relationship. It's taken us four years to get us where we want it because I mean, of what we've we went through. I mean, we've always been like my best friend. But don't ignore the signs, and they're they're little signs that you don't. I mean, I think one of the things that used to bother you, she didn't like. She was worried about strangers as a little girl and would attach to my leg. That's a sign of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So just be aware and listen. Listen oh to what they're telling you. We didn't even touch on my OCD. Emphasis on touch. <laughs> that's that, that's a whole nother shit show to get on another show um yeah yeah just you you have to be aware of the signs and just be there for your children i libby won't let me say certain things about inpatient and outpatient just because i think people have different opinions, opinions. on it and my mom's is very rude mine isn't rude i just know that it's a business and I, okay here we go okay <laughs> I, you know what i think there's a lot of things that are put in your path for what leads up to things for you later in life. Out of college, I worked for a psychiatrist. That job was put in my path for a reason. Yeah. I worked for a psychiatrist. I learned a lot of things that I didn't like about how things were done, and I learned a lot more about mental health when nobody had issues with mental health. Mm-hmm. So. And do you want to know the, the craziest thing about that? The psychiatrist you worked for was my doctor yes. in inpatient. Yeah, he's yeah. a good man. So um, there's a lot of, I'm sure, I don't even hope we never have to go back anything but there are programs out there that treat holistically and and want to work with that the wasn't fo- wood bitch. i know but <laughs> you're the foundation of what keeps you healthy is one. your nutrition your nutrition and your exercise so, so basically let's she you ramble so much i would say the biggest thing is to my what my mom did that helped me through every single thing that i've well, been I through in life was yeah she loved me to death but also like truly is my best friend and it's like i can come to her with anything and knowing i can come to you with anything is just so like <laughs> certain things i'd rather not know like she knows all about my sex life yeah. all about it yeah sometimes i think she just likes to get a rise out of me i'm like guess who shoved a finger up my ass okay edit 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 you can't yell because they pick up well sorry but that's bad what's the next one okay what is one story about me that you'll never forget like what is like your living story what you're what you're doing now and living your best life how could that not be my favorite story oh that was so i'm serious cute. like she's you know she's living her dream i am you're living your dream and she's very blessed that she found it at such a young age some people spend a lifetime looking for their passion and you found it mm-hmm. and she's bringing us all along for the ride so we're having fun i know my sisters and my mom are a part of everything that i do which i wouldn't have it any other way because they just know there's like stories like this i wish i could say for me i don't feel like this was like the wor- okay yeah this was like one of the worst things that's happened to me but i think with the anxiety and then depression it was like years it was like I a freaking roller like, coaster i didn't want to be on when you go through like rape in an abusive relationship it takes a toll too and like the father i had for 16 years like that was a lot yeah so those things like there's just a million stories but my biggest thing i think from all of this is there is hope even when you feel like there's completely oh, none. So because you know what I have to say? One of the best things you ever said to me was probably a day or two after you went back into high school, you came, I was sleeping and you woke me up and you said, I'm better now. Now it's your turn. Let's get the fuck out of here. And that is how, that's when we started to get our shit together to leave our family house. 
Yeah, we left our family house. That'll be like a different. So Livy's really the reason that I'm not married anymore. <laughs> and you're fucking welcome. <laughs> I know. I I didn't cause my parents' divorce, but I definitely helped my mom get out. She and her older sister helped my mom get out of a divorce. But that's like a whole different story. So now we're gonna go into. Well, okay, yeah. Now I think our my final advice to everybody is never even give up. Don't give up. Never give up. And don't give up on your kid. You can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. You just. I hated it so cliche never give up but it's like but you you can't and what if I gave up on you and I didn't find another program or I just let you sit in that bedroom then you would have buried me right so you can't give up on your kid can't give up on yourself you You can't can't give up on yourself and like that's the thing is it's like as much as I wanted to do it for my mom just to make my mom happy like it wasn't enough for me to actually get up and go to school it was I had to do it for myself like you have to do these things for yourself and now I'm like super grateful every day I get to live because it's like there was a time where I wasn't living for like two years. Like I, was I just, couldn't figure out why you didn't have any clothes for junior year. One year she didn't get out of bed, and the second year you used uniforms. Oh yeah, I never had clothes. Yeah, she yeah. didn't have. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have clothes? Yeah. <laughs> and it's because she was in a bed for a year, and then wore a uniform for a year. It's not cliche. You can't. You have to keep thriving and moving forward. Yeah. And it's it's hard. It. It's not going to be, but that's what makes it so it, it, you're, worth it. All like, these experiences shape you as a person. And you know that, like you said, you you got through the anxiety and the depression and then other stuff came your way, but you managed. Mm-hmm. You you do. It makes you stronger. It yeah. makes you a lot stronger. So you so, just never give up. And it's honest to God, every single thing that comes your way, it's completely your choice on how you react to it. Yes. Yes, because... I mean, I built a brand off of my shitty relationships. Anything's possible. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me? Oh. Do I have any questions for you? Hmm. No, not right now, but in six months, bring me back on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot's happening. No, I just want you happy. And this is the happiest you've ever been every day i think i get happier and happier now okay guys that was it for this week's episode now we're going to go into our midday matcha must-haves let's get into what do you have midday matcha must-haves like what are your must-haves for midday matcha like have you never listened to the episodes yeah well okay so let's get into my midday matcha must-haves what is your midday matcha must-haves mom from watching from listening to your show do you know what a midday matcha must-have is well i thought it's something that you're supposed to do on the weekend no, mom, a midday matcha, you don't listen. I know you don't listen oh, to the fucking podcast. Oh, the Masami, the hair stuff? No, that was a brand deal. <laughs> a midday matcha must have is something that, like, you must have. Oh, do I get to pick anything? Yeah. I wish I had your pretty eyes with that nice sweater that you're wearing. Mom, you don't understand oh, okay. the point No, of what it. is the midday matcha must have? I do listen to them, but it's like half, half in one ear and half out the other. What? What the fuck? What do you mean? So give me a must have. Okay, so like my midday matcha. Not some stupid drink. Is flowers. I think buying yourself oh, flowers. Oh, but I taught you that. I used to put flowers in your room. Relax, bitch. Anyways. What would be How a, do you not know what the fuck a midday matcha must have Oh, is? I think the perfect bed. Big fluffy pillows. It's weird that you say that when you're looking yeah, at my but, bed. Um, midday matcha must have. I think everybody should have champagne. Okay. Champagne? Every day or like... Oh, if we didn't work, we could. A glass of champagne. No, everybody should definitely have champagne for their birthday. Champagne and cake. Okay, mom, you have no idea what the fuck I'm (laughs) doing. You're saying flowers, so every every day you have a different must-have. 
<laughs> give me one. Every week I have a list of mini matcha must-haves. So like if I'm like TJ Maxx, candles. If okay, I like that's to- a stupid question. Everybody should go to TJ Maxx at least minimum once a week. <laughs> it's my favorite store. Is that your must-have? My must-have? Several pairs of boots for the winter and fall and winter. Oh, okay. Gray pair, black pair, leopard pair, taupe pair. Booties, a little bit higher, small heel, big heel. Okay. Those are my must-haves. What's yours? My must-haves, you know, I would say this week is going to be definitely tequila. Just because I feel like the more tequila you drink. No. <laughs> I know why. Why? Because this is Latin month. In the city, I was just reading it on Thrill List. My midday, put some restaurants down. To my go. midday matcha must have is a good mom. Aw. So let's let's. This drops on Friday. Where are we going this weekend? Oh my God! I love the energy. Let me end the episode. This weekend, I will be at Barrio for. You want to do Barrio brunch Saturday? Possibility. I picked out. I thought Tonto would be good for Latin month. There, Mom, what the fuck is you with you? And well, I was on Thrill List, and it's Lanton Month, and they're featuring a lot of really great restaurants in the do city. Do you want to do brunch? I'm looking up a couple. I'm hoping we pick one. I'll do Tanta. Tanta, it's Peruvian. Tanta. Yes. But how is that Latin if it's Peruvian? Oh, God, please don't. I told you, I missed a whole year of school, too. Like, I didn't learn anything in that year. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, give me your must-have for fall. Pumpkin patch. Going to the pumpkin patch. Yeah. Okay. You don't understand. She doesn't understand the point of a mandate matcha must have. Anyways, guys, that was it for this week's episode. Mom, where can they find you if they want to follow you on Instagram? Or do you not want them to follow you? Oh, you can follow me. But i got to make sure I give you the right information because I'm not really good with Instagram. You can follow me at... Oh, I don't know how to do this. Dina, Dina Colonna. C-O-L-O-N-N-A, Dina, D-E-N-A. And guys, my mom is a personal trainer who does virtual classes as well, so she'll make sure you get a fat ass. Okay. No, I'm going to make sure you'll get a firm ass. A fat, firm ass. (laughs) (laughs) What are your last comments before we end this week's episode? We talked about it earlier, just never give up. Never give up. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's what we're going to wrap it up with is never give up. If you guys want to follow me or get in contact with me, you guys can email me at middaymatcha2as at the end of matcha at gmail.com as well as you can follow me on Instagram at Libby Maeve. That's M-A-E-V-E. Here's a question for you. What the fuck is up with that middle name? I couldn't think of a middle name for you. Both of your sisters had one of their names be either a family member or a friend. And I, I always liked the name Maeve. And at one point, I wanted to name one of your sisters Maeve. And I thought it sounded pretty with Olivia. I really wanted to name you Summer Maeve. That would have been so cool. Yeah. You should change your name to Summer. <laughs> <laughs> as well as Midday Matcha. As midday underscore Matcha, where I post bad bitch quotes daily to make you feel like the baddest fucking bitch alive. How about the most empowered bitch alive? Okay. You're like the older generation. No, me. but you people, women want to be empowered. They don't want to be badass bitches. Yes, they do. They want to be badass boss bitches. Oh. Okay, guys, that's it for this week's episode. I love you guys. Have an amazing weekend. And, Mom, we're literally not done recording. I'm sorry, but my butt hurts so bad from sitting on this bed. Badass pants. All right, bye, guys. <laughs>